Hello, City First Church family. I want to just welcome everyone that is joining online right now. And if you are meeting at our Cape location, we want to just say we love you so much. I'm so glad that you're able to meet in person. But if you're online right now, whether you're joining us in Illinois or Florida or anywhere in between or even in other nations, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And I will say this, a happy Independence Day weekend. I hope that you get a chance to spend some time with family and friends and get a little bit of R&R &R because you know what? You deserve it. We have been going through a crisis together and you know what? We need a little bit of rest. Now before I get to my message today, I want to take a moment. I want to acknowledge that our nation is facing some serious challenges right now. I realize this is not new news to anybody, but we are going into our fifth month of the global health crisis that has had an impact on our economy and our everyday life. Also, we see that our nation is experiencing racial tension. That's creating a lot of hurt and a lot of frustration. I saw a statistic this past week on top of it that 47.2% of the U.S. adult population is jobless right now. That means one out of every two workers does not have a job. This is creating a stress on people's finances and also their quality of life, as well as our nation's economic stability. And on top of all of this, we're going through and into a contentious election season. All of this is creating frustration, heaviness, and in some cases, a lot of anger. So here we are. We're celebrating the birth of our nation this weekend. And I will say that though America is far from perfect, and there are parts of our history that are really, really good, and there are parts of our history that are really, really bad, here's why I believe that we should thank God for our nation this weekend. Here's the reason why. It is because we live in a nation where we have the freedom to openly disagree. Now, I want you to think about that. The dialogue that's happening in our nation right now about multiple topics, whether it's race or politics or economy or whatever's going on, the very fact that we can have this open dialogue is a huge blessing from God. The very fact that we have freedom of speech, freedom to protest, freedom to create change, this is a huge blessing that we should not take for granted. I remember years ago, back in the 90s, I went to a business seminar, and it was being led by a businessman who was previously a Marine. And this was during the Gulf War. And for those of you that remember, during the Gulf War, there were protests happening all over the nation where people were protesting the war. And even some of those protesters were openly criticizing our men and women who were serving in our military armed forces. So I went to this business lecture and this ex-Marine, who is now a businessman, opened up his lecture, opened up the seminar, and he said this. He was talking about the protests that were going on, and he talked about the fact that at one point he served in our armed forces as a Marine, and he said this. I'll never forget it. He said, I'm actually happy that these protests are happening. The room kind of went quiet because we all knew that he was in the military, and we didn't expect him to say that, but this is what he said, and it literally blew my mind. He said, 
I fought so that we in our nation can have freedom, including freedom of speech. And even if that freedom of speech was used to criticize the very fact that I fought or others are fighting for freedom, it's still freedom of speech. And he said, for that, I'm grateful. When I heard that, I thought, we live in a blessed nation. Because as a people, we have the freedom to be able to voice our opinion and not get shut down. You know, we're not subjects in this nation. We're citizens, which means that we have a voice. And that is a blessing that many people don't have in other countries. So no matter what side of the aisle you find yourself in, no matter what camp you find yourself in, can we just take a moment this weekend and thank God that we live in a nation where we can have opinions, we can have a voice, and we can even have differing camps? What a blessing that is. In fact, this nation was founded on this declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator, capital C, with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. By the way, this statement is based upon a Christian ethic. This belief is not in every country. Every government determines and takes a position, either publicly or privately, as to what they believe is a person's personal rights. Some countries say that the person's rights come from the government itself. That if you don't obey the government or its leader, then guess what? You don't have rights. Well, these countries are mainly ran by dictators. Some countries, they say that a person's rights come from a specific religion. And if you are not an adherent or you do not obey that religion, guess what? Then you don't have rights. These are nations that normally have a violation of religious liberties, but not in America. It's different. And even though we didn't get everything right, here's one thing that we did get right. We stated that our citizens' rights and values come from a creator, not from a man-made, human-constructed value system. In other words, God, not government, or a particular religion, is the source of an individual's freedom and why people have an errant value. So as a nation, we're still working on this 244 years later. This is why so many people in our nation are frustrated right now. Because though the Declaration of Independence says that all men are created equal, not everyone has been treated with equality or have equal value. So we're still working on it as a nation. But the very fact that we get to work on it, the very fact that we hopefully see progress year after year, the very fact that we can have an open dialogue and even disagree means that we have freedoms that we should be very grateful for. So what's our response as Christ followers to everything going on? Well, two things. First, I want you to remember that our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship as followers of Jesus is the citizenship of heaven. So we must look at everything through the lens of God's value system and his instructions as to how to live. Secondly, we must pray for our nation. 
I promise if Americans would pray as much as they argue, the problems in our nation would be fixed. So we must pray for our nation, for our leaders, for our communities, and for our neighborhoods. So will you join me real quickly on this Independence Day weekend? And let's take a moment and pray for our United States. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, I pray right now for America. Lord, it's imperfect. The government is imperfect. The people are imperfect. But Lord, we choose to believe and have optimism that better days are ahead. So God, I pray that you would intervene in the hearts of men and women in our nation. Lord, we pray for a revival in this nation, that people would turn their faces towards you. That, Lord, they would acknowledge that true freedom comes from you. And that, Lord, even though we live in some very interesting and challenging times, that we can have faith to believe that you are moving and you will continue to move. So, Lord, we ask that you would intervene by the power that is from you into our nation, that, Lord God, people would find you, that there would be peace, that there would be unity, that, Lord God, you would help people to understand that every single individual is created in your image. They are image bearers, regardless of race or color or where they grew up or how much money they have, that, Lord, they are highly valued because they are a son or they are a daughter of the Creator and King. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for doing that. Today, I want to talk about personal freedom. You know, just because we live in a free nation does not mean that we are personally living with freedom. In fact, many people in our nation, our city, our church would admit that they feel trapped right now by circumstances. In fact, there's a lot of people right now that are feeling burdened. It feels like life is heavy and they yearn to be free. And, and you know, throughout life, we've all experienced little glimpses of freedom, right? I, I remember when, when my middle son, Connor, was really, really young and he was in a crib. One day, he figured out how to climb out of the crib. He has a free spirit. He, he didn't want to be confined inside of a crib. He wanted to be free. And I remember one morning, at like 5 a.m. in the morning, he had climbed out of the crib, and he found his way out the front door, around the house, and we had a little kiddie pool that was like maybe only a foot deep, you know, one of those blue ones. And he was in the pool at 5 a.m. You know what? He didn't want to be confined to his crib. He wanted to go swimming. You know, for those of you that remember when you, you got your first bike and you were able to have freedom to ride blocks away from where you lived, or maybe the first time when your parents dropped you off at the movies or at the mall and you were like, yes, this is now the time that I'm free. Or for those of you that you remember when you got your license at 16 and all of a sudden now that you had your driver's license, man, you could go anywhere. And then someday... You had kids and all your freedom disappeared, right? But from what I've heard is when you become a grandparent, you get that freedom back because you can get your kids' kids, your grandkids to come over to the house and you fill them up with sugar and then you send them home again. Freedom, right? Well, you know what? Can I tell you? We are all designed to desire freedom. 
every human heart cries and yearns for the exact same thing, a chance to fulfill his or her dreams and desires. I want to talk about that today. The truth is, there are real areas in our lives that keep us from freedom, the freedom that we desire. There are things like fear and depression. It's an all-time high right now. There's hurt. There's loneliness. There's anger. These are prisons, like hopelessness and addictions and circumstances. They're like prisons that restrict your freedom. And Jesus comes along and he says this. He says that he gives freedom, a life that is truly free. We aren't just meant to make it to heaven. We're not meant to crawl across the finish line of life, but rather because of Jesus, we are meant to have freedom on this side of heaven too. I love what the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Galatians. So he's writing to believers, and he says this in chapter 5, verse 1. He says, let me be clear. The anointed one, Jesus, has set us free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. So ironic about this is that Paul is writing to a group of Christians that were underneath an authoritarian rule of government. The Roman Empire was not kind. The Roman Empire ruled with an iron fist, you could say. And so he's saying, regardless of your circumstances, listen to this city first, regardless of your circumstances, you can be free. In fact, he states, in Christ, you already have freedom. This is really good news. Jesus has given us the ability to be free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. You know, for some of us, this is a reminder. Like, you've heard this before. You know this. For some of us listening in today, this is a revelation. It's completely new information. So this scripture in Galatians basically has two things. Number one, it's an accomplished fact. It's a done deal. In other words, Paul is stating freedom is already something we can access because of the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he purchased our freedom. You don't know what you don't know. And so, so many of us maybe are hearing this for the first time. But what he's saying is, is that we don't have to liberate ourselves. We don't have to try to achieve freedom. Freedom has been given to us. In fact, in another part of the Bible, it says in 2 Corinthians, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know what that means? Wherever Jesus is, there's freedom. Not only does he bring freedom, but he is freedom. So if Jesus resides in your heart, you have freedom already. The second thing that that verse is talking about is, it's a goal to pursue. In other words, that freedom has been given to us by Christ, but we must have a responsibility in stewarding that freedom. We need to be able to be people who embrace the freedom. We are to stand firm, Paul says, and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of sin, the, the, the prison of sin, you could say, that was in our past. You know, some of us today, you maybe have resigned yourself to this thought that you're just going to have to struggle your way through life, that the circumstances or the mind games or whatever it is that has put you in a prison, you're just going to have to learn to live there. I want you to know that today that is farthest thing from the truth. Freedom is for you. Freedom is for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. 
Even though Jesus declared that freedom was possible for everyone, the sad reality is many people don't experience this freedom. There are roadblocks to this freedom. The first one is ignorance. Many people just don't realize that they can be free. That, that Jesus didn't die so that they just struggle well. But rather instead, Jesus died so that we can experience freedom. You are not truly free until you understand that you're free. You see, transformation begins with information. You got to know it in your mind before you can live it in your life. Jesus wants us to understand that we can be free. A second roadblock is this, reluctance. You know what? You know what God's number one problem is here on this earth? Let me give you a hint. It's not the devil. He's a defeated foe. He was defeated on the cross. The devil has already been defeated. That's not God's number one problem. God's number one problem on the face of the earth is this. Followers of Jesus would deliver spirits, but the same old oppressed mindsets. You hear what I just said? People who are technically free, but they still live enslaved to sin. The Bible says in Proverbs, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That Bible is not talking about your physical heart. It's talking about your mind. As you think in your mind, so you live your life. And some of us, we still think that we're trapped in the prison that the enemy has put us in. But today, my friends, City First, I'm telling you, you are not in that prison anymore. The door has swung open. You can have freedom from all of the sin, from all of the mind games, from the hurt, from the pain, from the depression, from all the things that the enemy would like to restrict you. You can have freedom. Your life will travel in the direction of your most dominant thought. So if you don't fully understand that you're free, you're going to continue to live oppressed. You know, life is hard and, and life is difficult, but listen, it's going to get better. Why? Because God has given you freedom. Regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what's going on in your life, you can experience the freedom of Jesus. So guess what? Your circumstances no longer control you, but rather instead, your freedom allows you to rise above your circumstances and to live free. I will tell you, the past is as strong as you allow it to be. The past is as strong as you allow it to be. You don't have to continually live in it. God can empower your mind, but you have to empower your will. So we have to choose. We have to choose whether or not we decide to live in the freedom that Jesus has given to us. So no matter who you are, no matter what you're feeling right now, God is a turn around God. And that's what I want to talk about today. His specialty is that he takes hopeless situations and turns them around and gives us hope. He is a turnaround God. He brings dead situations to life. He makes something out of nothing. Do you believe that? Do you believe that right now, sitting in your living room, watching on your smart device? Do you believe that God can turn your situation around? Because I do. And I have faith for your situation. I have faith for your life. There's a story in the New Testament about the Apostle Paul who actually wrote that verse that we just read. It's a story about him and his friend Silas. They're traveling around. They're talking about Jesus. They're preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. But guess what? All of a sudden, in the city of Philippi, they come up against 
some opposition. Some people are a little angry at what they're preaching. So let's go ahead and look at what's going on here. It's found in Acts 16, verse 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. No trial, no jury. They were beaten with rods and thrown into jail. This is completely unfair. Have you ever found yourself in a situation that has been completely unfair? And life beat you up a little bit, you could say. And you found yourself in inescapable circumstances. And you lost hope. And yet, this is the thing. If I am Paul or Silas right now, I want to confess to you, I'm going to be a little frustrated at these circumstances. Just like how you and I get frustrated when we find ourselves in circumstances we don't like or circumstances that are unfair. I'll, I'll confess, I'll say what maybe you're thinking, all right? I'm sure if I'm Paul or I'm Silas, I am frustrated at God. Why did he allow this to happen? I mean, you know, they're doing the good work of the gospel. Why would God allow this to happen? I'm going to be frustrated at God a little bit. I'm going to be frustrated at people. I'm going to be angry at the fact that I was, uh, I was beaten for no reason. So what did Paul and Silas do? Did they get angry? Did they get bitter? Did they get on their social media account and vent? No, they didn't. You know what they did? It says in Acts 16, 25, that around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What did they do? Their response was they prayed and they sung worship songs to God. In fact, it even says that the other prisoners listened in. So, so they worshiped. When they were wronged, they worshiped. Listen to that. Let me say it again. When they were wronged, they worshiped. They worshiped in the middle of their prison. They didn't whine. They worshiped. Can I ask a question to all of us listening today? Is that our default? What's your default? When something happens that's negative in your life, something that's unfair, something that it'd be easy to become angry over or bitter, do you whine or do you worship? Do you whine or do you worship? I, I know what you're thinking right now. Man, that's a hard thing. That's a tall order. I get it. That would be difficult for me to do, being in their shoes. But here we have a little bit of a glimpse on how we are to respond to the brokenness of this world. You see, what motivates a person to worship in a circumstance like they were in? Well, the person understands that regardless of their circumstances, they have a freedom that circumstances cannot take away. Now, you hear that? So in other words, the reason they were able to worship is because they were free. They were free on the inside. Even though their circumstances looked like they were imprisoned and they were restricted, they were free on the inside. So what happened as they were worshiping around midnight? It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Do you hear that? That as they were worshiping, 
their worship created a supernatural breakthrough. Chains fell off, doors swung open. Do you know your worship not only proclaims that God is the God of your circumstances, but it also reminds you that God is an almighty turnaround kind of God? That, that whatever circumstances you're in, that a supernatural intervention from God can happen and turn things around. We need to be reminded of that. When we worship, we are reminded of how big our God is compared to our circumstances. Well, what happens after that? We find in verse 27, it says, The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Do you see what happens here? Paul and Silas's prison became a platform. They were able to share God with someone who did not know Jesus. God turned everything around, and the jailer noticed the miracle, and guess what? He wanted in. Do you know that when God turns your circumstances around, it will become a platform for others to find Jesus? Your freedom will lead others to freedom. As we close, what Paul and Silas really did is that when they were in prison, they invited God into the middle of their circumstances. And that's exactly what some of us need to do today. Instead of just trying to get out of our prisons and get out of our troubles and out of our circumstances, we need to invite God into our prisons, into our troubles, into our circumstances, into the middle of the mess. If you want God to turn things around, you must invite him in, like Lisa talked about last weekend. You see, when we invite him in, we begin to see God go to work. When we invite him in, we begin to see him begin to turn things around. All of a sudden, our circumstances begin to turn. Our situations and our troubles begin to turn because of the supernatural power of God. And we're reminded that he gives us freedom. It is because of our freedom that we can elevate above our circumstances. I want you to listen to this song. I want you to see the words of this song and realize that God is a turnaround God. Whatever prison you're in right now, you're in the prison of hurt. You're in the prison of that divorce. You're in the prison of that addiction. You're in the prison of that bitterness, that hardship, that anxiety, that fear. Whatever it is that you're in, God can turn it around. Listen to the song. Let it minister to you and realize that this is God's word for you. Praying God come Turn this thing around God turn it around God turn it around God, turn it around. I'm calling on the name. It changes everything. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name.
something right now right now he is healing someone he is saving someone god is doing something right now right now he is healing someone he is saving someone god is doing something right now Listen, my friends, God is turning it around. God is working in the background of your life. When you invite him in, when you invite him into the middle of your troubles, your circumstances, and your prison, whatever it is, he begins to work. I want you to have faith today to believe that. I want you to know it. This is more than just a sermon that you're watching right now. This is something that is true to your life. The real God is doing a real work of turning things around.
The Bible says in John 8, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free, regardless of your circumstances. You can have freedom. Now, some of you today might be listening and you might have never invited Jesus into the middle of your life. You may have never made him the leader and the forgiver of your life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, all the wrong things that I've done. Come into my life and turn it around. I'm giving you my old life that you will give me a new life. It doesn't mean all your problems go away, but now you are forgiven and you have a God that walks with you every day and heaven is your home someday. If you want that, will you pray this prayer with me? Just pray it right now where you're at. Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of all the things I've done wrong. Be the leader of my life. I embrace your unconditional love for me. Turn my life around. Give me a new life. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, that was the most important life-changing prayer you've ever prayed. But as we close today, I want to pray for every single one of us, every one of us, wherever we're at, that God would give us the faith to know that he's turning things around. Will you join me real quickly again as we pray? Heavenly Father, I pray right now for my friends. I pray that you would turn around the situations that they are in. Lord, our hearts cry out for true freedom and you're the only one that can give us true freedom. A nation can't give us true freedom. A politician can't give us true freedom. A person can't give us true freedom. Only Jesus, you can give us true freedom. So come into our lives and free us, I pray. And Lord, we thank you that our enemy Satan is a defeated foe. That Lord, we can embrace the freedom of the cross. We wanna live in that freedom. Help us to realize it in our minds and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you so much City First for joining us today. Jen and I love you so much. God bless you and realize God is turning it around.